left some handouts for you, for you to learn what it's like to be in the youth group, because every Wednesday night I give the kids a little handout, and it's got this. We're going to be talking about an amazing reality theological concept, an amazing reality and theological concept called justification. If you have a Bible, will you please open it to Romans chapter 5? We're going to be reading verses 1 through 5. But who knows, if I get excited, we might read the rest of the chapter. Let's see. I get excited. You know me. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. This is God's word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering, it produces endurance. Endurance, it produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every aspect of our salvation. We thank you that the only thing that we are required to bring to salvation is ourselves. We bring ourselves with our sin, with our weaknesses, and then you do the rest. You bring the rest, God. And then you do the rest. I pray if there's any hungry soul in this room right now, that God, they might feed on your word. Maybe there's a, there's a, a, a woman here today who longs to be a mother and she, like Heidi was at one point, is struggling. Maybe there's someone in this room who had a terrible relationship with their mother or who has a terrible relationship with their mother. I pray right now, Jesus, that you would feed them with your word and your promises. May what we're about to read and what we're about to see encourage us and enlighten us and give us joy, give us boasting in you and you alone, God. Would you pour out your spirit upon us like you promised to do? We are your church, God. We are your people gathered here because we believe you will speak to us. People did not come to hear Pastor Caleb. If they did, if they were excited, oh, Pastor Caleb's preaching. God, I just pray you grant them repentance because they need you. And God, I pray that you would remove my pride. I confess my pride, Lord. And I just ask you to speak through me despite my pride and my weaknesses, God. May Jesus be glorified and lifted up and him alone. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And as I said, church, we're talking about 
this concept, justification. And really what I hope to, sh- to answer, you know, I, I kind of formed the title of my sermon as it was someone who's skeptical and they're just like a grumpy teenager. I don't know. I work with teenagers, so I love attitude. Um, I, just, I just envisioned someone with attitude saying, what's so great about justification? What's so great about it? Come on. What is it? So my, my prayer and my hope is that you will see that justification is great. That I will answer this question faithfully. Now before, before I get into the, 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 the meat of what I, I think God has revealed to me about justification, I have to remind you, I have to, I have to tell you that your justification, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, is a fact. It's truth. And this is the fact. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, your status, your status before the judge of all the earth is fully righteous and completely compliant with the law. Let me say that again. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, your status before the judge of all the earth is fully righteous, not just a little righteous, but fully righteous and completely compliant with the law. You might be reading that and, or hearing that and think, I don't feel righteous. I definitely know I haven't been fully compliant with the law. And if you're saying that, I hope you feel that way. Because when I wrote that and I read this, I said, I don't feel righteous. I know I don't keep the law. Let me give you an illustration for a moment. This is how some people envision being justified. Okay, let's say you've committed a crime, like we all have. (laughs) You're guilty. You're at court. The judge knows you're guilty. All the people in the courtroom know you're guilty. And they also witness you commit the crime. You're guilty. But the judge, amazingly enough, he steps off of his platform. He comes to your side. And then he proceeds to pay your penalty... Not just pay it with money, but let's say he pays it by suffering, being imprisoned, and eventually being executed for you. And then you get out. That's how a lot of people view justification. This is a good illustration. But beloved, it falls so short. You might be thinking, how does that fall short? That sounds like what I heard. Let me explain. The truth is, when Jesus did this for you, his blood not only pays your debt, but it, com- oh man, it completely reverses and remakes your status and your reality. It completely reverses and remakes your status and reality. 
It completely changes everything about your past, your present, and future. It's not as if those things are still there. No, the blood of Christ has changed it completely. So much so that when Paul speaks of this, he says he made him sin who knew no sin so that we might become, not just have, but become the righteousness of God. That's how serious Paul says this is. Your reality, everything about who you are has changed at justification. And it's not just Because of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is the most infinitely valuable thing in all of existence. Anything to have spilt upon the earth. It's the most valuable thing. It's the most. Most valuable. But one of the ideas and understandings of what justification is. Is that it is a declaration. Not only is the blood of Christ powerful. But God's declaration about you is powerful. He looks at the blood and he says, I agree. And then he says, justified. It's a declaration by God. And any declaration by God is so powerful that as Romans chapter 4 verse 17 just before this when it's talking about Abraham being justified by faith and believing God when his son was on the altar, he knew that God's declaration and word can call into existence the things that do not exist. That's what God's word does. We see that at the beginning of the book. There was nothing. And then what did God do? He spoke. He spoke. So your justification is a declaration by the one who can call into existence the thing that does not exist. And beloved, let me tell you, before he spoke that word, before the blood was spilt, you were not righteous. But because he said so, Now you are. That's pretty great about justification, am I right? I mean, I could stop. Do you want me to stop? I can stop. But let's keep going, because Paul doesn't end there. He, He starts by saying, we've been justified by faith. Therefore, since we've been justified, look at Abraham. Therefore, we've been justified by faith. What's so great about justification? Now I have peace with God. That's my first point this morning. If you're filling in the blank, it's peace. I have peace with God. Peace, meaning a harmonious relationship. Freedom from disputes, especially that of disputes during war. There's no ill feelings anymore on God's part. And on our part, there's no more war. And now if you truly understand just how sinful you are and how holy God is, and to hear that you have peace with that God, you would be saying, wow, 
I have peace with a God I have completely and utterly offended by sinning? No way. But it's true. I was watching this show, uh, Malcolm in the Middle. I don't recommend everybody watching it, but there's this episode, and the, this, the second episode, and these kids get in trouble all the time with their mom. And it's her anniversary, her and her husband's anniversary. And when she's getting ready, she finds in the toilet her favorite red dress. In the toilet that she was going to wear that night. It's got burn marks on it. And she automatically, with great reason, assumes that it's her children. So the rest of the episode just proceeds just with them trying to fend off their mother as she's punishing them, trying to get a confession. All the while, they make a phone call to their older brother, the firstborn, and they're saying, hey, how do we get out of this? What do we do? She's going to kill us. It's that bad. By the end of the episode, she's like, she's like I, I'm just going to punish the mom. Just, and she picks up the phone and she realizes, oh my gosh, they've been getting coached. And now she's even more mad. Oh boy. So Malcolm hangs up the phone. Him and his brother start thinking, what are we going to do? We got to get out of here. We got to do something. We got to protect. She's going to kill us. Little did they know that their older brother was sitting there talking to the mother and saying, hey, yeah, I helped them. But mom, don't you realize it's your anniversary? You've been here all night. And Dad's at the restaurant waiting for you. And you've forgotten all about it. All about your anniversary because you're fixated on this war that you have with your children. That's, that's somehow, by the intercession of the firstborn, pricks her heart, hangs up the phone, and she proceeds to walk into their room. And it, the, it's so funny, the camera focuses on them. They're in the room. They've got pillows. They've taped pillows to themselves, to their head. They look, I mean, they've got even sticks in their hand. They look like they're going to war. And one of them's hanging from the ceiling trying to rip the ceiling fan out so he can go through the roof. Another was about to break the window. I mean, it's crazy. They are in fear of their life. And their mother walks in and she goes, she goes, who's hungry? Who's hungry? We got to eat. Let's go get some food. And they are just flabbergasted. They're like, wait, you're not going to kill us? You're not going to kill us? She says, I, I love that dress, but let's go eat. The relief on their face reminded me of what it's like to be at odds with God. You've committed the crime. You know you're sinful. You deserve the punishment. And yet God says peace because someone has interceded on our behalf. That's amazing. Maybe you've had, a, maybe you've had an experience like that with your mother. Happy Mother's Day. Mom disciplined you. Wasn't it wonderful when she spoke peace to you, we can identify with this. We now have peace with God. You, beloved, if you have faith in Christ, are justified. You have peace with God. Now let's look at the second thing that's so great about justification. I have access to God. I have access to God. Scripture says, through Jesus, we have obtained, meaning it's in our possession. It's been, we, it's been handed to us. It's ours. I've obtained access 
Access being like you can approach, you can go to, especially in the sense of a superior person, you can get to them. I have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now, you might get confused because it says we stand in grace, but the idea of the Greek, when it uses access, it's talking about the kind of access that you get with a person. So this is directly referencing the fact that by grace we can stand in the presence of God. We have access to God. Are there any Kleenexes? Can someone get me a Kleenex? Thank you. I've been crying. We have access to God. And this access that Paul is speaking of here is directly related to now your relationship with the person you are needing to access. So in justification, your standing with holy God has changed. You are now a recipient of His goodwill due to your close relational proximity to Him. Not, maybe not physically, we're not in the heavenly realms, but God has made Himself known to us and He even sent His Spirit. There is now a close proximity and you have now no hindered access, unhindered access to the Father. Distance can't separate you. A person can't separate you. Your performance can't separate you. You can't separate you. Nothing will get in the way of you accessing the God who justified you. My last church, I worked with a guy named Pastor Dave. Every time we were in a meeting, didn't matter what, how serious the topic was, didn't matter how important an outcome that we needed was, if his wife, Sharon, called, he would stop me and he'd answer the phone. He did this to everyone. And he was a real estate, he was a successful real estate agent. Didn't, they didn't care. They were like, wow, he loves his wife. But he did that because of the relationship they had. And beloved, through justification, what God has said about you, you now are in a different relational category with him. You are now a son or daughter to Christ. You are the bride of Christ. When you call, he answers. You have access to him. Remember what Heidi said, though. Sometimes you call him and you don't feel like he's picking up. But in reality, he's trying to speak differently than what you expected. But the point is, you have access to him. Unhindered access. Beloved, you have access to God. Third, what's so great about justification? I will share in the glory of God. I will share in the glory of God. Continuing in Romans 5, 2, it says, We rejoice, meaning like we boast. We Rejoice means to brag on. Like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do when we sing. We rejoice in hope or this feeling that a desire will be fulfilled. This hope that we have in the glory of God. And Paul is speaking here not of just witnessing the glory of God completely. But he's talking about what God is going to do when, he come, when Jesus comes back for us. He glorifies us. He gives us a resurrected body. He gives us a new nature without sin. He's going to make us like himself. 
So we have hope to be one day fully reflecting the glory of God without sin, without stain. But this hope that we're speaking of, when Paul uses it, it's not like the kind of hope we talk about. We've said this in here before. It's like, oh man, I hope I get a good grade on my exam. Man, I really hope I make that sale today. I really hope dinner's ready when I get home. Really hope, 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 hope. And our hope generally in those things is empty. I mean, am I right? We talk about hope as if it can't actually happen. Maybe it won't happen. But here, Paul's speaking of a hope that has been proven. A hope that it will, it's like, let me define it. It's not a hope that can be disappointed. That's generally how we understand and use the word hope. We may be disappointed, but this is more of an assurant feeling. You know the person's character in whom you are hoping. They've proven themselves and they've delivered over and over again. And so that's what Paul's speaking of. We know our Father. We know He will provide. Some of us have had great mothers. Some of us not so great mothers. For me, God's blessed me with a wonderful mother. When I fell playing and scraped my knee, I knew if I said, Mommy, 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 she's going to come running. And she's going to kiss my boo-boo. And she's going to make it feel all better. Even now as an adult, I know her proven character that when I have a really hard day in the ministry... An emotionally draining day. I could call my mom and she's going to speak life to me. She's going to pray for me. I know, like that's the kind of hope I have when I call out to my mother. Because I know she's delivered on promise. She's failed. Don't get me wrong, she's failed. But in this instance, getting comfort and help, I know my mom will always be there. And beloved, we have this with our Father in heaven. We have a hope that will not disappoint. We know that he will send his son back for us. We know that Jesus will come back and reverse every wrong that has ever been done to us. He will kill death. He will destroy the devil. He will give us new bodies. He will make us like himself. He loves to share. Jesus loves to share. And he will be sent back for us to share in his glory. We can have confidence because Jesus and the Father, they have proven it. Look at the cross. They've proven it. We know. We know. Beloved, you will share in the glory of God. Fourthly. What's so great about justification? Well, I am in production by God. <laughs> this is probably the hardest one. <laughs> Look at what Paul says. I, how, how, I don't get how he could speak like this. I mean, I do get it because I know Jesus. But he says, not only that, not only are we excited about glorification, but we rejoice in our suffering. Like We boast in our suffering. Like We praise God in our suffering. And this suffering, it's any oppressive state of physical, mental, social, economic adversity. Guess what? That's everything. That's cancer. That's a replaced hip. That's a heart issue. That's blindness. That's paralysis. That's separation of families. 
That's everything. We boast in our suffering. Because we're knowing that suffering produces, or this, this word produces, it's not like the industrial line where everything's just like coming out really fast and it's like, oh, production, there it goes, there's another car. This is the type of production that happens like when you're gardening. You're tilling up the soil. That's what suffering's doing. It's tilling up your soil. It's tilling up my soil. It's watering the plant. It's day after day after day doing something, laborious work, pruning leaves, just for the purpose of something to live longer. So this is producing in us endurance. And endurance is the power to withstand hardship or stress. No pain, no gain. It's producing endurance. And endurance, it produces character. And beloved, I sometimes we're so instant gratification. We're such an instant gratification culture. We think... You know, if someone has gifts, like, let's just throw them up there. Or let's give honor to someone who's, you know, really popular or beautiful. And, but really, character's what matters. And character doesn't come in the moment. Character doesn't come the instant you are saved. Some of you have known someone who had a radical conversion. A lot of things did change, but there's a lot of junk I had a lot of junk when I came to Christ. Parents, maybe you have someone in your family, like one of your kids that's converted, and you're just like, I don't think they're ever going to change. I don't know. Beloved, it's, it's not about what they do that guarantees their justification. It's about what God has done. The character comes later. It comes through pain and time. And this character that we're hoping for produces hope. You know, this week, Claire and I went and visited uh, Larry in the hospital, Larry Morton. And we got to sit with Marilyn. And Marilyn talked about her life. She was born in like 1930-something. I was like, man, wow. I remember Pastor Dave I worked with. He was born in the, in the 30s. And he, he used to go to the bathroom in an outhouse. That's crazy. But when we were sitting there with Marilyn, she was telling us about things in their life, things that they've gone through. She wasn't complaining. She was just sharing because we're in a hospital and there's Larry hooked up who's so wonderful to just be around. And she's talking about the first time they went in emergency room. And I was just floored listening to her story and listening like she brings, she was bringing a PB&J every day to work or to the hospital to eat. And I was just like, wow, wow, Marilyn, I... I want your character. I want to be satisfied with what I have. I don't want to always look for the, a different lunch. Or I don't want to complain about my hardships. And I remember when the Mortons showed up here a long time ago. Maybe close to 10 years ago. I remember when they showed up. I remember when they got plugged in. And how they've blessed people. But beloved, what I learned this week is the reason they are such a blessing. The reason they have... Character is because it has been proven. It has been proven. I want to have that. And if that means suffering, God, give me suffering. 
It hurts. Maybe you've heard the, the saying, God never gives you more than you can handle. You heard that? Sounds really good. Don't hate me. Baloney. Baloney. I think the scriptures teach God gives you more than you can handle. For the sake of your sanctification. But it's not more than he can handle. That's the whole point. He gives you what's going to tear your muscles so the muscle will come back stronger. He gives you the type of things that you need to grow more and more like Jesus. Because you are in production by God. And lastly, the fifth item. What's so great about justification? I am filled by the love of God. Paul says, I hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. That word pour, it, 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 in the tense that it's used, is as if it's just continually flowing. It's like, just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. So this love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given, been given to us. And I, yeah, this is my fifth illustration. I said, I'm going to use the illustrations today. This is my last illustration, okay? When I think of the love being poured into our hearts by God through the Spirit, it reminds me of the love that I experienced when I was a, a young man or a young boy <laughs> by my grandmother, my nanny. Now you ask, uh, you ask her kids. She, they got the hard. They got the hardship. <laughs> uh, my dad and my 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 uncle, my aunt. You know, they experienced some of the discipline. They got the bad stuff, but I got the good stuff. <laughs> she loved pouring out into me. We would. I would go visit her. I knew Nanny's going to take me to the Galleria. Nanny's going to go buy me that favorite Batman toy I've been wanting for a while. Nanny's going to buy me a new pair of shoes. And guess what? After she's poured out into me, that whole time at the gallery, she didn't take me home and make me some meatloaf. Man, I love meatloaf. And Nanny knew that. My Nanny would pour into me. And you know what? I, I think I was her favorite grandson. She had this little coin, uh, coin collection. She had this little piggy bank. And I was told, maybe she told them to, I don't know. Maybe she always fill it up before we go there. But I'm her favorite. Um, I'd get there and I'd go over to the piggy bank. And she'd have all these coins for me. Man, my nanny would pour out her love into my life. Maybe you've experienced that from your grandmother. Grand grandparents spoil you. Well, beloved, God is spoiling you. God has spoiled you. You, don't, you may not even realize it. A lot, of, a lot of people mistakenly think that the first thing the Holy Spirit's going to do in your heart is change your love for God. Like, oh, I'm going to get the Spirit and I'm going to love God. He does do that. But before He can do that, the Spirit has to come into you and reveal to you the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the fullness of the love of God for you. Because God knows loved people love people. 
Love people, love people. Maybe you heard hurt people, hurt people. Why do we always focus on the negative? Loved people, love people. And the Spirit comes in and he says, look at what your father has done. He's taken you to the Galleria. He's made you meatloaf. He loves you. You know what that does? That transforms you. That transforms you so that you can endure the suffering, so that you can glorify the one who owns all and is over all. We love because he first loved us, beloved. The Spirit helps us to understand how God, just like a wonderful grandmother, has lavished his love upon us in full. So those of you who feel overwhelmed because you don't love God, maybe you're here and you're like, I just don't love God enough. A lot of people just beat themselves. I don't love God enough. Oh my gosh, I got so much sin. I don't love God enough. I don't love God enough. I don't love God enough. I gotta get, oh, just make me love God enough. I'm, I, please hear me gently. I'm not trying to shame you, but I'm trying to reframe you. Don't focus on how you lack the love for God that you need. Of course you do. Look at the cross. Look at what God has done for you in love. Beloved, you are filled by the love of God. So what's so great about justification? Number one, peace with God. Number two, access to God. Three, glory of God. Production by God. The love of God. So here, here I just want to give you a couple applications and then we'll move forward. What should you do now? So what? Great. Justification's awesome. Great. I love it. Now what do you want me to do, Pastor Caleb? Okay, I'll tell you. First, because you have peace with and access to God, go to Him with your heartaches and needs. Go to Him with your heartaches and needs. Why do we feel the need to tell everyone else about our problems before going to the only one who can actually change them? God can speak into existence the things that do not exist. If you have problems, go to the one who can change them. Next, I would say fight the urge to complain to people who can't change your problems. You're still going to get that temptation. Even if you know God can change my problem, I'm going to pray about it. You're still going to want to go complain. Beloved, God doesn't like complaints. I'm sorry. <laughs> I complain all the time. It doesn't glorify him. It doesn't glorify him when we complain to other people. So fight the urge. Then I would entrust them. Just you could tell him, don't tell other people, maybe unless they could pray for you. But then you got to trust him and trust them to the only one who can call into existence the things that do not exist. Just practice faith with your problems. Because, beloved, you have, you have peace with God and you have access to God. He doesn't look at your problems and say, ha, 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 ha. You get what you deserve, ha, ha, ha. He loves you. He loves you. You have peace with him. You have access to him. He loves you. All right, next. Because you are in production into the glory of God, you are in production. Production hurts. The 
present hurts, you must set your mind to the future that is sure. Because you are in production into the glory of God. Consider in your sufferings where your sufferings are meant to take you. And then I would say, surrender to God in the midst of your suffering. You got situations, you got problems, and you want to, that's the thing, we want to change them. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen for myself. I'm going to go get what I want. I'm going to, I would say, you know, conviction's great. Work hard, that's great, but beloved, surrender to him. Surrender to him. You need to surrender to him. You're never going to find, you might have peace with God, but you're never going to feel the peace of God until you surrender it. And then I would also say, don't fight your production. Don't fight the production that God's doing. And then, last application, because you are filled by the love of God, I tell you, and I think Jesus would say to you, pour out that love into those around you. You've been given a lot of love. Your cup has just been, you know, like he's just pouring that love into you and he doesn't want you to just be like, oh, got my cup, got my cup, got my, he poured into me. Look how great I am. He wants you to go give a cup of water to someone in the name of Jesus. He's poured that into you to pour into other people. Tell others about the love that you found in Jesus. And show the hope that God's love guarantees you. Show the hope. Don't despair when people are around you. Show them the hope. So I want to invite our worship team to come forward. Uh, but in just a moment, I'm going to close with reading the rest of this section of chapter 6. So at, at this time, this is a good moment. I, I pray that the Lord's worked. I don't have any confidence in what I say. I, I just... Just think of the scriptures. I think that's why I'm going to close with the scriptures. Because they're going to do the work. But if you need to respond, I just, I just ask you to respond. There's, we, have, we have an altar. We have these prayer benches. We got people that will pray for you. Don't, don't leave this place without responding today. Don't leave this place. And I told you that justification through faith in Christ means that God has rewritten your reality. This is the fact. Let's go to this last point, or the last statement. It's, it's basically what I was trying to say. Your status before the judge of all the earth is fully righteous and completely compliant with the law of God. Now, before I, I read these scriptures to you, let me, let me tell you, before you were justified, this is where you were. You were at war with God because you were his enemy. You didn't have peace, you had war with God. You were completely cut off from God because of your sin. You didn't have access to him. You had a wall. You were destined for the wrath of God because sin can't behold his glory. There was no hope for you to become the glory of God or behold the glory of God because sin would not let you. You were in production by your sin and Satan, completely in slavery to their passions. You weren't in production by God. Like you weren't being molded into the image of Jesus. You were being molded into the image of the enemy before Jesus justified you. And you were God's enemy, 
fully deserving his hatred and his wrath. You deserved to be and sent. We deserve to be hated by God. I know that sounds wild. People don't like that, but we deserved it. We didn't deserve this love that's been poured into us at justification. But Jesus has called into existence the thing that did not exist. You are righteous and justified. Listen, and this is what we're closing with. Listen, is left in this section. Verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. <laughs> but though perhaps for, for a good person, one would dare even to die, maybe. But God. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. We have been justified by his blood. Much more, much, much more shall we be saved by him, Jesus, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, brought to him in good standing with peace, if we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, his resurrected life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God, we just glorify you. You've done it all. It's all your work. We just want to enjoy it. We want to believe it. Sola fide, faith alone. Faith alone, we believe you. If anyone doesn't believe you here today, God, Draw them near in faith. Draw them near. Let them trust you, God. Trust your promises. All of this for your glory and for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.